This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Dambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Showing what's for Trevor, the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Green flag in the air, and we are underway. Well, good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings tonight. Zach Heiser, Rich France with you, and of course, a somber night here on Horsepower Happenings. We're excited and happy to continue bringing you the motorsports coverage from across the Great Lakes region as we do every Monday night for uh, you know 51 weeks out of the year. Uh, but tonight, of course, we do that with heavy hearts as we remember and will later pay tribute to our friend and, and a great colleague. Rick Eshelman, but we know he'd want things to continue to go on, and so they will. So let's get the night start. <clears throat> tonight's show started with what's happening in a Motor City Minute. NASCAR in the Talladega realm, Alabama, hosting all three of the NASCAR Major Series. It started on Saturday with the NASCAR Truck Series. How about our boy Matty D, Matt Benedetto, goes to victory lane after what some might call a controversial finish to the truck series, coming to the checker, the field flies apart. They throw the caution just a couple hundred yards from the start finish line. Matty D is out in front at the time of the caution. He picks up his first career truck series win and gives Rackley War their first ever NASCAR victory. AJ Allmendinger, man, this kid, this kid, this guy is unstoppable in the NASCAR Xfinity series. He goes back to victory lane. Uh, in the Xfinity Series again on Saturday. And then Sunday, the NASCAR Cup Series, Yellowwood 500. A lot of people on social media saying that the next-gen cars looked like the NASCAR of the 2000s during that race. Getting some high praise on social media, Chase Elliott survives the 500-mile event to go to victory lane. Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series Thursday, Kyle Larson grabbed the win in the Hillbilly 100 at Tyler County Speedway and a $30,000 payday. Friday and Saturday's events at Race 7 and Pennsylvania Motor Speedway were washed out by the remnants of Hurricane Ian. Those things and so much more happening tonight. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Terrible weekend, Zach. Just uh, not the same on this Monday, man. Uh, If I get through this show, it's by God's hand. Nobody else, I'm telling (laughs) you. Yeah, I know. It's been a tough weekend. And, uh, you know, any time, not only, you know, that we lose a, a colleague, somebody that we've worked alongside, but for you, Rich, and for a lot of folks uh, across the country, losing a friend uh, and, and a mentor. So it's 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 been, the whole industry's been rocked this weekend. Yeah, we'll get into more of it later. Uh, really want to do this right, and we're going to do it right for Rick. Um, you know, you, never, you just never know what it's going to do. I'll, before we get into all that stuff later, I just want to say, Zach, you don't know. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. You never know who's going to have a problem. Um, you never know when you're helping. So, you know, even just to say hi, you haven't heard from somebody in a while. 
give them a call say hey i was thinking about you yep um just some some things like that uh, just may make the difference the mouth, to one person. The mouth, Jason Seltzer, said it best on social media. He said, maybe it's time that we quit, wait for them to come to us. And uh, I thought that that was just absolutely well put, and I 100% agree. So uh, what, a, what a somber reminder. But, Rich, as we said at the top, uh, we've got a show to do, and it's about one of the greatest things that Rick had a passion for, and that's motorsports. So let's talk about some things going on around our region. Yeah, and you led right into it, uh, Jason Seltzer, his team out at Kalamazoo Speedway. Uh, just got an early start on the 2023 schedule after announcing some major outlaw super late model dates that we'll want to mark our calendar with Zach for 2023 right out of the gate. It was announced the traditional intimidator 100 is scheduled for April 28th, a $2,500 a win event. Uh, also announced a $3,000 to win event on June 8th, followed by the Kalamazoo clash set for July 9th. And we know that'll be a big payday. And if that wasn't enough, Zach, another big event for the Outlaws on August 18th, paying $3,500 to win. So if you're an Outlaw fan, mark those dates on your calendar. Uh, we know more huge Outlaw dates will be in the works over the wintertime at various racetracks. And it looks like the Outlaw schedule, Zach, is going to come back real strong again in 2023. Love to see it. Uh, you know, it's exciting. We're going to talk with Rex Wheeler coming up from Owasso Speedway, hear about some of the exciting things they've got going there for the Saturday night racing. Uh, you know, it gets me fired up, right? The season's winding down. There's not a lot happening around here anymore. But, man, you start talking about next year and all these fun schedules, and it gets me wound up. Uh, let's talk about one of these year-end events that a lot of guys from up here make the trip to. It's Kokomo Clash season. The Kokomo Clash 16, presented by All-Star Performance, is coming up October 14th and 15th, and registration opened today. Now, a lot of guys from around our area go to the Kokomo Clash. Here's the thing. If you plan on racing this event, this reminder, you will need to register. The link has been posted for registrations, and uh, as of about an hour and a half before tonight's show, already Hornet registration closed for the Clash. Now, each division will have caps for their division. So Friday night, sportsmen and thunder cars, 40 sportsmen, 48 thunder cars. That's it. Saturday night, 48 late models, 60 modifieds, 60 street stocks, 60 Hornets. That's it. Now, the Friday night show will include non-wing sprint cars, race saver sprint cars, sportsmen and thunder cars with racing uh, starting with time trials at 6 o'clock. Then on Saturday, late models, modified street stocks and Hornets, pit gates at noon, grandstands at 3, time trials at 4 o'clock on Saturday. So if you have one of those divisions uh, of cars and you're thinking about going to the Kokomo Clash, you better go to kokomospeedway.net as soon as you hear my voice tonight and get registered because, again, Hornets registration already closed, and it's only been open for about a day. So uh, they've, they've already filled the Hornet class. So, Rich, Kokomo Speedway, Kokomo Clash coming up in a couple of weekends, and the excitement is already stirring. They, they've already got some registrations flying in for that event. Well, time to get into our first featured guest of the night tonight, and it's our pleasure. Uh, this kind of came together in the final hour, as they say. Uh, it's, it's a great pleasure to get a chance to talk to the new man behind Owasso Speedway. And uh, I don't know if it's official yet. I don't know if the ink is dry yet, but we're pretty confident in it. So it's our pleasure to welcome in Rex Wheeler to the program. Rex, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Rex, uh, you know, this was big news a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, the, the former administrators and management and owners of Owasso Speedway put on Facebook that their tenure was coming to an end. 
and Rex Wheeler was coming in alongside Jeff Parrish and a great team of motorsports professionals. And, man, all of a sudden, Owasso Speedway was the buzz of Michigan Motorsports uh, because of you and because of the team that is being assembled at Owasso Speedway. So, uh, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, this kind of came out of left field. So tell tell everybody, tell me the ambition, the idea, why Owasso Speedway, why Rex Wheeler, and uh, we'll start with that. Well, yeah, it uh, started uh, a little bit last year talking to Ken Williams, uh, you know, one of the owners of Owasso Speedway, and talking about his plans and what he wanted to try to do do with the track. And uh, the Williams family did a great job of getting through uh, the, you know, the worst economic time in our country, you know, through COVID and, and everything of keeping the track alive. But the tracks uh, not had any investment in that track in decades. Uh, and I think they realized, you know, that they, they had more in front of them than they had the ability and uh, the resources uh, to do what the track really needs. So uh, because of that, Ken and I kept uh, dialogue open and we got deeper into the conversation in this, uh, this calendar year. It really came together in about the last, 90 days, uh, started talking quite a bit and Ken did want to finish his, uh, 2022 season. So we kept uh, the conversation going and then, uh, we tried to keep it quiet as much as we could. And, and, uh, and we did, a uh, the Williams family did their public announcement a couple of weeks ago, as you mentioned. So, um, as far as the track, uh, Michigan's oldest, uh, speedway, uh, the track deserves, um, you know, uh, to take it into what we're going to do and the, the amount of stuff we're going to do to the track resurfacing. The facility will be, over the next five years, there will be only hardly nothing that's not replaced. Uh, so this, this year we're already jumping immediately starting uh, this week and into the next couple weeks uh, resurfacing the track. But we're going to slow down and we're going to do it right. We've heard from racers, uh, many racers, uh, to do not change the banking. Uh, at the, you know, we want the three-wide racing that Owasso is known for. So we're going to keep uh, uh, all the banking. We're not changing anything. Uh, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to come in and they're going to pulverize the track. It has one layer of asphalt on it that was put on the summer of 1988. And uh, it's in pretty rough shape. 34 years of uh, Michigan winners and, and racing on that track. So the company's going to come in and pulverize the track into little pieces, and they're going to roll it all in. Everything's going to be shot with lasers before they start to ensure and show us that they put it back exactly uh, the banking it was. We're not going to be out there with road gravers changing banking, nothing of that sort. And then it's going to get a, a new four-inch uh, surface on top of it. And um, we also made sure we spent plenty of time uh, to talk and make sure we got the right racing surface. So um, it's, uh, it's going to be a racetrack surface. It's what uh, General Motors Ford Motor Company has on their proven grounds. Nice. It's, uh, it's what's on Daytona Motor Speedway. Um, it's a lot more money than just paving a parking lot. 
uh, with the banking and, and everything that's there. I think that shows a great commitment from you. And, and you know, Rex, uh, for those who don't know, you already have a business that you run. Um, so what what brings you to say, yep, Owasso Speedway is my next challenge? Uh, what, 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 <laughs> I mean, nobody in their right mind purchases a racetrack, so I don't need to know what your exact mental evaluation is, but what led you to grab Owasso Speedway and say, yeah, we want to run a racetrack? Well, Wheeler Trucking is the company that my wife and I own. We are the second biggest employer in Shiawassee County. And, of course, Owasso Speedway is in Shiawassee County. Uh, it's a great place to do business. There's uh, great uh, people in Shiawassee County, and uh, we love the track. Always have. Actually, I, I raced on the track on dirt in 1987 and 88. Really? Uh, and raced on uh, asphalt in 89. Um, I just had a, we called them Detroit Irons back in yes. that day, but I had a blast. And I, I remember waking up on Sunday morning and couldn't believe that I had to wait six or seven days to do that again. <laughs> now, is this a dream of yours to own a racetrack or is this just a, a kind of a, an opportunity that presented itself and you jumped on it? Well, it's an opportunity that came about, but I've always loved auto racing. So if we're sitting around the house talking about what we're going to do on Saturday night, um, myself, uh, you know, of course, we've, you know, went to the lake, we went bowling, we've done a lot of things, the family went camping, but if I wanted to be selfish, I would say I'd like to be at a racetrack. That's where I've always wanted to be, and I've spent a lot of my life at racetracks, and uh, I drove a truck for 22 years before I went out on my own, uh, me and my wife starting wheeler trucking, which now we have 200 rigs uh, running around the United States, and um, so I've been to tracks all over this country, and I just always loved Owasso Speedway, and and uh, the last year or two, the passion got stronger and stronger to basically buy the track to give it what it deserves. That track is going to get it. It it will be everything will be brand new over the next five years. So we actually meet with architects and engineers tomorrow morning at the track to start laying out the vision and the race fans, the race car drivers will be part of this and they're actually when they come to the track in 2023 we're going to have pictures architect drawings uh, up on uh, some of the walls by the concessions and the the restroom so they can look at what it's going to look like in 2024 and 2025 and 2026 so this isn't that we're going to guess how we're going to do it we're actually going to figure it all out and we're going to slice the pie in four or five slices and we're going to do a, a, a section of that every year Rex, there's anybody who's been around pavement racing in the state of Michigan. Owasso has a lot of rich tradition and some, you know, very traditional events. How do you find the balance of keeping those events alive along with bringing it into a new era, let's say? Well, here's where I come in. Uh, like I said, my my racing career was, was in a Detroit iron, and, and actually I own a modified race car, and I went for eight laps at Bertrand Speedway this summer to confirm I am a race fan, not a race car driver. So uh, we will leave that to the drivers. But uh, as I got to know Jeff Parrish, Jeff Parrish is going to be, he is my general manager and my promoter. And then Jody Hoffman is also coming on as a co-promoter. And then my brother Dennis Wheeler is coming on with management as well. He's got uh, his whole life in managing various companies. So we're going to put our heads together, and Jeff will be putting together a team of people. Uh, now, the team will grow as the track grows. 
Um, we're looking to hopefully pick up some surrounding property around the track and have camping as well. So we really look to grow as far as the races and the motorsports. Uh, that is not complete yet. Jeff has, has uh, let me know peaks of, of different things he's putting together, uh, but it's not uh, released yet. So that'll be coming soon. Uh, we got a little bit of a late start because we just closed officially got the keys to the track last week, but Jeff is working hard. I do know, and I can confirm, we're going to have sprint cars. We're going to have super outlaw late models. We're going to have modifieds. We're going to have front wheel drives, outlaw front wheel drives, street stocks, pure stocks, and trucks. They're all coming. Um, so the, the exactly when everything in the schedule, Jeff is working hard to try to get uh, that schedule put together. Uh, and we actually are planning on maybe doing a couple Wednesday events as well. Now, you mentioned you went over to Birch Run. I have to ask you, because I've been there, and they have done spectacular things at that facility. I'm sure when you walked through that fan concourse, uh, your mind had to be going crazy with things that you can do with your place now. Absolutely. Jason Lord and Andy and uh, those guys have done a wonderful job with Birch Run. It's exciting to see that track get a facelift and and, and bring – uh, back to what this area deserves for auto racing. So I'm excited with that. And, and especially over the last 90 days, uh, Jeff Barish, Jody, Dennis, and I have been all over the state of Michigan. Um, we've actually uh, got caught a couple times taking too many pictures. So <laughs> we're, we're looking at bits and pieces of what we like of every track. Um, and we're actually, our model is going to, it's not going to be after any certain speedway. We like pieces of many of the great speedways throughout Michigan, and we've been to Indiana as well. And when our layout comes together, we think it's going to be efficient. Uh, it's going to grow. Uh, guys, listen, our dream for this track, and we use this in our daily conversations as we're putting our plan together, we want this to be the Eldora of asphalt for Michigan. This is going to be a beautiful facility. And there are a lot of the reason this is possible. The 300 employees at Wheeler Trucking that come to work every day has put Wheeler Trucking um, at the top of our uh, business, and we do very good. So because of that, we have lots of partners in the trucking business. You know, we buy a lot of diesel fuel. We buy a lot of tires. Uh, we buy brake drums. We buy Peterbilt trucks, Kenworth trucks, uh, Freightliner trucks. So those partners are all going to come on board, and that's what's going to help accelerate the improvements of the track is when, when race fans pull in the parking lot, they're going to immediately see signs from various companies that are sponsoring that track. Uh, they're going to be proud to put their name on that track. Um, we've already been cleaning and painting uh, just in the first weekend. It's crazy the amount of work. We had probably 60 race fans show up this last weekend just to donate their time everything from weed whacking, cleaning, painting, and that's just to get us because we know we can only do so much to get us to the 23 season. You know, you kind of started to mention it there with the, the employees of, of Wheeler Trucking, and uh, our Dirt fans who listen will say, man, that kind of sounded like Brandon Thurlby when uh, he gets to Victory Lane. He always says, thanks to the 90-plus uh, employees at Thurlby Automotive who helped me get to Victory Lane. But, you know, where I'm going with this, Rex, is not to be brass, but there are, there are going to be people who hear this interview and they're going to say, okay, Rex, talk is cheap, 
uh, you know, now let's see you put your money where your mouth is. I think you did that, you know, with this big weekend to start. You get out there, you start scraping paint, you start weed whacking. Um, this whole idea of putting your plan out there in the public eye for 2023 where people can see exactly what the plan is, that almost is the answer to money talks, but put it where your mouth is. Uh, that that really does that. Here's exactly what we're going to do. Hold me to the fire because this is our plan. Well, that's right. And we want to listen to the race fans and the race drivers. You know, they're the ones that live this business and work on their cars all winter and get ready to come. So we're going to share those drawings and those pictures. And there's always time to tweak a few things. Basically, I tell people right now, we're going to do three major things for the 23 race season. We are resurfacing the track and preserving the banking at that track. We are going to clean the place up, get some lighting around the facility, uh, clean up the bathrooms. They need a big help. Jeff Parrish already took a poll uh, online, and uh, people say it really needs work on those bathrooms. And we're going to have some great race shows with some nice purses uh, that pay back deeper into the field. And that's what we're going to be a big fan of is we're going to put on some big shows. And, of course, the – you know, the the guy that wins the race is going to sure go home with a nice purse, but we're going to spread our purses out. We're going to spread them back deeper into the field because nobody wants to go out and watch uh, four or five cars race. We want a full field of cars, and we know how expensive it is for those drivers. If they end up not running in the top five or even the top ten, they're out there to compete, and we know it's expensive. So we have a plan to do that. So that's the three things that will happen for 2023. And then immediately at the end of the 23 season, by then we've had time to deal with architects, engineer, permitting process, and then excavators are going to come in and it's going to take that 20 or 25% chunk and we're going to start tearing things out, rebuilding, and be ready by April 1st of 24 for the 24 season. And we're going to repeat that four or five years and people are going to see that it's really going to happen. And again, it's going to happen because of Wheeler Trucking and its employees and the great partners that we have at Wheeler Trucking, the relationships we've built with Ford Motor Company, Chevrolet, Chrysler, uh, all of our customers that uh, we haul new vehicles is what we do at Wheeler Trucking. We're truck and van haulers. So uh, those relationships is what's going to uh, get people interested in partnering with us as far as sponsoring uh on Owasso Speedways, the relationships we have at Wheeler Trucking is what, when I made those first couple phone calls and said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. The track needs a lot of work, but we would love to have your name on this track as far as just being a sponsor and putting up some, some dollars to help pave the track and fix the track up. And Rex, I'm, I'm going to put my driver's hat on, and I loved what you said about uh, about worrying about the drivers and the pay throughout the field because I work, I've worked for a gentleman for several years now, Ron Drager, who realizes there's not only customers coming through the front gate, but those are your customers coming through the back gate as well. They're paying to come race at your facility. Um, how do you balance that so they know that I can come race there, I'm going to race for some good money, fair money, and I know that when I get there, it's going to be a level playing field? Well, a lot of that comes down to Jeff Parrish, and we know Jeff Parrish has a decades of motorsports experience, and Jeff is excited as well because we all know it's hard. It's hard for race owners, racetracks in the state of Michigan. We're trying to squeeze in a race season 
in six months, and then Mother Nature has a big say-so as well. So um, we're blessed, again, to have our great company and our partners to be able to go out and play hard on these weekends. We are a Saturday track, and we plan on staying a Saturday track with, the, uh, like I mentioned, uh, possibly having a couple of Wednesdays. Um, and we really have some big plans. And, you know, uh, if, if it's if it's already in the books, I'll tell you. If it's a thought, I'll tell you that as well. And right now we're looking at, you know, Katie Hedinger maybe on a Wednesday night. Uh, that young gal is working her tail off and heading right on up, uh, hopefully, to NASCAR. And, and uh, Eric Jones, you know, Eric Jones, that's his track. He's from Byron, Michigan, and we've already been in contact with Eric uh, to maybe come up and run a Wednesday race for us. So, again, it's not all etched in stone. Once it's confirmed, we will definitely put our race schedule out, and I will assure you we'll be much ahead of the game talking this time next year for the 24 season. You know, one of the things that we talk about <clears throat> to drivers a lot in this show is kind of one of the things that, you know, you may have already answered it that you're going to lean on Jeff for this, but I think you as the owner, you got to have a, a say in this as well and kind of have a brainstorm in this as well, is – there is so much draw for these divisions of race cars, whether it's outlaw, super late models, modifieds, pure stocks, street stocks, whatever it is that you're racing on a weekly basis. There's not a lot of these cars around, and there's you know a, 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 you know growing or dwindling depending on the year number of racetracks who want to run these cars. Um, so I think one of the most challenging things is going to be to put together a schedule that is well-balanced and, and works with other racetracks across the state. Now, you mentioned earlier how you guys had traveled across the region looking at other racetracks. How's the relationship building going, uh, you know, early on in the process to kind of get with other promoters, get with other owners and say, look, you know, here's what we want to do. Here's what you guys want to do. We're all sharing the same crop of drivers. How do we make this work? Well, again, uh, that's the experience of Jeff Parrish. He has talked highly of, you know, Tom down at Corrigan Oil and, and Jason out at Birch Run. And, and you know, he's on a first-name basis with all the promoters, Kalamazoo and, and Springport and on over to, to Berlin. Um, so, basically, Jeff likes to bounce things off me as the owner. and uh, uh, But he's the one putting the schedule together. Over uh, the next several months, I will be meeting a lot of these folks at uh, different events that we're going to go to. Uh, but Jeff is trying to keep all that in mind. For example, um, you know, you know, in one conversation with another track, well, if we're going to race Saturday night, why don't Wassel just jump to Friday night? Well, we're not going to do that. Uh, Wassel's a Saturday track, always has been. The only time there's going to be engines on the track on Friday is when it's something big uh, that we may have a big Saturday show. So there's Friday night practice and qualifying, and that won't be every every weekend. We're going to race every Saturday from beginning of the season when we start up sometime in late April through the end of September, which nationals will be our last race, what we call the Wassel Nationals. We will race every Saturday night. We will not cancel for Fourth of July or any holidays. Mother Nature is going to be the only one that decides if we cancel. And if we cancel, well, we have it in our rules that we are allowed to race on Sunday if Mother Nature decides we're going to get rained out on Saturday night. So our plan is we're racing every Saturday night from the beginning of the season to end without canceling the shows other than weather, and then we're hoping to get the shows in on Sunday. I know that takes a commitment from the ownership because we all know in motorsports it's harder to get 
people in the front gate in the stands on a Sunday than it is a Saturday night. But we look at it. We plan on putting on some big shows, and the cars are already there, and uh, we want to get that race in. If we get it in on Saturday, that would be wonderful for everybody. But if not, we're going to go to Plan B and try to get that race in on Sunday. Talking with Rex Wheeler, the new owner of Owasso Speedway, this announcement made a couple of weeks ago. Rex, earlier in the interview, you mentioned that you broke out the modified that you own at Birch Run Speedway. Is it still the modified that you own, or is that going to have to get sent down the road now with Owasso Speedway being the new baby? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, no, so Wheeler, uh, I've started a company called Wheeler Racing, and I have five relationships with five drivers that I've been working on for the last couple of years. Some of them just started this year and those relationships are going to continue. We're going to prove to the racing family that I can own uh, race cars and a race track. And my race cars are not just going to race at Owasso. Uh, we're going to race definitely at, uh, at uh, Birch run for sure, probably down at Corrigan oil. So um, my drivers have already been in a meeting. They are already know that when they race um you know whatever the rules are and the rules jeff will release all the rules in black and white soon uh so everybody clearly knows if you do this this is what happens and our cars will be no different um when you think about the passion for me i i love racing i love auto racing i have a race shop Uh, my office is for my trucking company is right in my race shop so my race shop's across the street from our corporate office and I actually chose to put my office in the race shop. I love to hear race cars start and get work done. So we're we're going to balance where uh, somebody will know that the Wheeler-sponsored car or the Wheeler-owned car is under the same rules that those guys are. Um, so I have five drivers for next year that we have sponsored. Rex, you've talked about the fans that come to Owasso and have given you ideas of of, of things that need to be done. You've talked about the drivers uh, giving their ideas. Now's your chance to talk to the fans that used to go to Owasso or have not been there. Um, This is your chance before we let you out of here to bring those fans in and get them out in 2023. What do you got to say to them? Well, I can tell you this. The race fans, um, the facility is going to get a lot of work. It's going to be a lot safer uh, and more pleasant for the drivers in 2023, but I'll assure you it will get better and better uh, over the years to come, just the next, like I said, four or five years. So immediately we're going to get more lighting. We're going to get cleaner restroom facilities. We're adding handrails uh, to the stands, um, and we're going to be reasonable. So we want to be able to have people uh, to afford to come to that race. And uh, uh, I don't know exactly the age yet, but I can tell you, uh, Jeff wants to put on um, where we're letting uh, uh, all the way up to adults, all the way up to possibly 18 years old, free into the front gate. So uh, we want the fans, the people of, of Owasso and the surrounding area to come enjoy these races. And we're going to have great food for them, great restroom facilities, and we're going to put on a show uh, that they're going to enjoy. And if they want to come grow with us, they're going to watch us grow and get better and better by the time we get into the 26, 27, 28 race season, we plan on being what I would call the Eldora of Michigan, but asphalt at Owasso Speedway. And i got to tell you, uh, I've raced under Jeff Parrish. I've been a fan under Jeff Parrish. The only thing I've never done is work under Jeff Parrish. I've attended one of his promoted racetracks, excuse me, with that 18 or younger in for free. 
And I've been a race fan all my life, but Rex, what it did was give me an opportunity to pull some of my friends to the races for the first time. So I love that promotion. I think it's a great idea um, to get those youngsters involved and, and back into our sport. Um, but uh, Rex, this is exciting. This is a big deal. I love your passion. And you talk about every time you've talked about the Eldora of asphalt racing in Michigan, you've extended the years, right? It goes from 23, 24, then 25, 26. Now you just said 27, 28. How long do you see your tenure being at Owasso Speedway? Well, my wife would tell you, uh, you know, we own several businesses. Wheeler Trucking being the one that's got 300 jobs. But my wife will tell people, I'm real good at buying things, but I'm not good at selling things. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm 55 years old. Owasso Speedway will be absolutely gorgeous facility by the time I'm 60 years old. And I plan on enjoying it, uh, being part of that track for the rest of my life. And what we're going to do to the track in the next five years is going to take it off into the next two or three decades with the amount of infrastructure. There's pretty much nothing that's going to be left that don't get replaced. Concessions, stands, suites, uh, our own banquet hall to have our own banquets in, and on and on. So I am truly excited and watching the passion from the Wassel fans over the last couple of weeks since it's been announced. Uh, the chatter on Facebook uh, just drives us more and more to want to do the best for the community and the race fans and the state of Michigan, the surrounding states. This is going to be a great place to come out with the family. It's going to be a family event. We're going to make sure it's safe. We're adding security. Um, we're we're going to have put on some great shows as a family event. Rex, uh, I think one of the great things about this is the uh, the transparency. And, uh, you know, there's probably going to be some people who have some questions. And, obviously, you guys are trying to get settled in. Uh, you guys are trying to, uh, you, you know, kind of find the ropes and kind of find the things. Where do folks go as we head into the off season? Where's the best way to keep track of everything that's going on? Maybe ask some questions as we get closer to 2023. And uh, just keep an eye on Owasso Speedway. Well, you know, the Wassel Speedway website, it would be the best thing. Go into wasselspeedway.com, and we joke a little bit and say, I'm going to wear a T-shirt that says, Ask Jeff. Yeah. So, and, and, <laughs> now, and I wasn't going to say but, anything. I wasn't uh, going to say anything, so, but only uh, about a third of your answers had been, well, Jeff Parrish is going to handle that. <laughs> that's right. And we're going to be a team, but, for example, um, when maybe a call don't go a driver's way, he may want to come to me. I've got 300 employees at Wheeler Trucking, and 14 report to me out of the 300. We have structure. People have their managers. People have their supervisors, and we will have that at Wassel Speedway. I won't get involved with the day-to-day -day operations. Jeff will. But we're going to give Jeff the tools he needs to, to make the best decisions. And, and one, one thing about that is cameras. We're going to have cameras all over the track. Eventually, we plan on having a big mega screen with instant replay. So when somebody spins out, we get the fans involved. Let the fans see like you see when you're watching NASCAR and there's a wreck. See who got into who, who caused that. And uh, that's actually going to help Jeff's team because if they're up in the booth and they can roll those cameras to say, okay, there's a spin out in turn three, but who actually got into who, it, sometimes you don't really see that. You're looking at the wrong spot in the track. Well, if we got cameras in turn one, turn two, turn three, turn four, front stretch, back stretch, we're going to have an opportunity to get that call right, and that's what Jeff wants. So Jeff's truly excited that he's going to have the tools that he needs to make the best decision because that's what we want to do is we want to make the best decision. No driver 
wants to come out and uh, and feel that he got the shaft on a bad call. Rex, man, I, I love your passion. We want to we want to see our sport thrive in the state of Michigan. And Zach, I guess this means that uh, we better get a hold of Jeff Parrish and make a reservation for him, like in March. Yes, uh, before we, <laughs> so we can get everything up to date because they'll probably have a pretty good idea in March what's going to go on in twenty twenty three. Well, Rex, uh, we are excited, and uh, I know that you're excited just hearing this interview from you. And uh, like I said, and I've said this on past episodes, Jeff is a future Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer, in my opinion, as far as promoting goes. The great things he did in the past with Dixie, the great things he did this time around with Birch Run, uh, of course, racing with him at Springport, and, and now to see what he's going to do at Owasso and so many other ventures that he's done in between. And, um, you know, I'm excited. i got to be honest. I've never been to Owasso Speedway, so I think 2023 will be the year we change that, Rex, and I think a lot of people are going to do that as well. So I know we're excited to get the next couple of months clicked off the calendar, and I'm sure you are too. Yes, guys, thank you for having me on. And, uh, yes, get Jeff on once you give him a little bit more time to get settled in, and I'm sure as the years come we'll be talking more and more because this is about the fans, it's about the drivers, and it's about the families, and we're going to listen and we're going to learn and we're going to make this a great place for people to come spend their Saturday nights. All right, Rex, thanks so much for joining us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. We appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you. Now let's talk about some uh, racing that is still happening around our area. Of course, fired up for what Rex has got going on at Owasso Speedway in 2023 through quick math would say about 23. 40-ish, <laughs> if that's what he's hoping to do. Uh, but nonetheless, how about Eric Spangler, Rich, makes the trip to the Fall Nationals at Lincoln Speedway in Illinois. They post on Facebook. He says, I've never been to this racetrack before. What's he do? Goes out there, starts on the pin, leads every lap, brings home the win in a $3,000 payday. So congratulations to uh, Eric Spangler on going out to Illinois and kicking some tail. Yep, and we got to give uh, Brock Gaddis a big shout-out. Uh, he had a big weekend at the Berg Bash at the M40 Speedway. Brock picked up the template late model win and the front-wheel drive or the, the rear-wheel drive run what you brung class in that number five outlaw. So congrats to Brock Gannis on a great weekend. And then, Zach, a shout-out to our friend Jack Dossie III down in Indianapolis. Uh, he made the move from pavement to dirt a couple of years ago, sold all his pavement stuff. Well, he picked up the 2022 UMP Modified Championship at Circle City Raceway down in Indy. So congratulations to Jack. Way to go, Jack Dossie. Pretty cool stuff. All right, racing coming up. Can you believe it? We're talking about racing coming up in the tri-state area here over the next couple of weekends. Let's start with Winston Speedway, the player hater, Wild West Shootout. Will they manage to get this event in? This event has been plagued by weather. I think they've got one in successfully. The spring event that you and I went to, I think, was about the only one they got in. Uh, the plan is... Gates at 4 o'clock on Friday, racing at 6. Saturday, Gates at 2, racing at 3 p.m. to get you out of the cold. Late models will run for $3,000 to win. IMC Modifieds, two grand street stocks, a big $1,200 payday for the street stocks at the Player Hater. So a good weekend of racing scheduled for Winston Speedway. And, Zach, where I'll be at on Saturday at Toledo Speedway, the Arkham Menard Series Championship, the Shore Lunch 200 on Saturday. Late Model Sportsman and Factory Stock Championships also will be decided as well. Gates open at 10.30 a.m. The Factory Stock Championship event will be at 12.30. General Tire Pole qualifying for the Arkham Menard Series will kick off at 1.30. The Late Model Sportsman Championship at 2 o'clock. 
Then we'll have an on-track autograph session for the Arkham Menard Series, 2.30 to 3.30, with the short lunch 200 green flag going off at 4 p.m. on Saturday at Toledo. And then if that's not enough, you can head to the 33rd running of the Michigan Cup, Springport, Mid-Michigan Speedway, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. A big weekend, a big old party going to be had. Here's the deets. Friday, group qualifying at 5.30, followed by the pit party to end the night. Group qualifying kicks off again Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m., with racing at 5 o'clock. And then Sunday, all A and B features, as well as last chance qualifiers, will take place. The racing action starts at 1 p.m. on Sunday. And, Rich, final thing I want to make sure we talk about is Hartford Speedway. They'll have a big event coming up uh, this weekend as well. They'll have the uh, Midwest Compact Dirt Series in action for some big payday there. The thing I want to promote, though, is they're also going to have UMP Modifieds in action Saturday for $1,200 to win. Um, so they are taking pre-registration to kind of help promote that. I know a couple of guys from Butler are going to make the trip. Some regulars over at Hartford are going to be there as well. Um, so uh, get in touch with the Dibbles. Let them know that you're going. And uh, it'll be fun this weekend if you uh, need to sling some dirt. Head down to Hartford Speedway. So a special Saturday night program there at Hartford. Well, Zach, this is the part of the show that we didn't want to do, um, but we're going to do this, right? Um, and if we did this at the beginning, I don't know if I would have made it through the rest of the show anyway. So I'm glad you talked me into doing this <laughs> at the end. Thank you very much. Um, you know, the news broke on Saturday that a friend of ours and a dear friend of mine for over 23 years, Rick Elshelman, um, took his own life on the way to the Fall Nationals in Lincoln, Illinois. Um, I was asked to text him on Friday night from a friend, uh, who hadn't heard from him and I did. And unfortunately I did not receive a response. Um, he always responded with something when I reached out to him. So I was obviously concerned. Um, and then all the news came out late Saturday, but, uh, you know, we caught up Zach with Rick at the, at Butler this summer for the summer nationals health tour event. Um, you know, he was the same Rick. I always knew so full of life, just, just loving being at the racetrack. It wasn't even an announcer for that event. Right. Uh, he he was just helping out the hell tour back in the pits. Um, and then I went up to the tri city the same week, a couple days later to spend more time with him up at that event. Uh, and just the shocking news that rocked, not only his home state of Michigan, Zach, but the entire dirt racing world. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the tributes and the, respect and uh you know the grace that, that was shown to rick and and just the outpouring of love and support for him you know the great things that were were said about him and of course world of outpaws i mean i mean what what a what a program that was you know uh i think you posted about what somebody had said about if all dogs go to heaven uh rick is going to be absolutely in heaven when he gets up there and um you know just all the great outreaches that he did you know one of the last guys to ever get a smartphone i don't know how he did twitter with a flip phone but he found a way to do it and uh, refused to get any other social media but twitter and just you know did so many great things and you know when when i think about rick eshelman i think about somebody who right started at a young age worked his way is is fulfilling a dream that i think all announcers have right to hit the road and just do short track racing every waking moment every you know every weekend uh being at the races with with friends and fans and and seeing all those 
memories of Rick being a happy-go-lucky guy that was always nice to you, was the same person in per, you know, same person to your face as he appeared to be behind the microphone. It's inspiring, and you know, it's it's uh, it's it's encourages me as a young announcer as as what to look up to, who would it be like, and um, it's a bummer that we didn't get to see. Selfishly, it's a bummer we didn't get to see Rick finish out his final six years of his career because that was his plan and see what he was able to do maybe outside of the world of outlaws, what he was able to do with his career and to have it come to an end. And as you mentioned, we'll never know, we'll never understand the demons that he was facing. And, uh, you know, for me personally, all I can all I can do is hope and pray that he found peace and that that's, uh, you know, that's the way that his story ends was was by finding peace. But my first, my you reminded me of this uh, as we were preparing for tonight. My first interaction with Rick Eshelman was nervously at I-96 Speedway as some punk kid announcing for some podink modified tour alongside the World of Outlaws, trying to hold my own and say, hey, I'm Zach Heiser. I'm announcing the modifieds. I'll have my buddy Rich France down in the infield. And that was all I could say before I ho- heard, Frenchie's here? And the rest, my friend, you have to take over because I was blown away that the World of Outlaws announcer knew who my friend Rich France was. So, yes, I was, I was down in the pit area taking care of my pit duties, getting information. Um, I was going to do some remote interviews during the event. And over the headset, I hear, what does Rich, are you there? And, and I answered Zach and, and I hear, does Frenchie mean anything to you? And I thought I was going to cry on the spot. I had, I was so busy in my work that I had forgotten. And I didn't know that Rick was going to be there. Um, It just, and then when you did that, and so I, I said, I'll be there in a minute. So I ran up to the tower as fast as I could. Yes, you did. (laughs) And and I I walked in the door and he's standing there with his arms out and gave me a big old hug. And um, uh, probably the best hug I've ever had in my life now. Yeah. Um, yeah, he. We were. I'll never forget that. It it was it was uh, quite amazing. But I, you know, Zach, I got to bring something else up because if we stay on this subject, we're in trouble. Um, you put out on our on a post today for anybody who had a Rick Eshelman memory, and I and I read one today, and and we can laugh, right? Absolutely. We're supposed to laugh. It, it, it's not all sad, but I have to share this, and this is from Gary Lindahl. So they they announced together at Toledo shortly after Ron Drager and. Roy Mott bought Toledo Speedway. So, uh, you know, Gary Lindahl said, I felt like his Harvey Corman to his, I felt like Harvey Corman to his Tim Conway. Um, hard to keep a straight face. He, he always had fun. When I was on the track well away from him, he made up stories. The first school bus race at Toledo, he tells the crowd that I am really Jungle Larry and I lost my job as the captain of the Jungle Ride at Cedar Point. Oh, my which the crowd thoroughly enjoyed the next school bus race. I wore a Hawaiian shirt, khaki shorts, deck shoes, and a Panama Jack hat. Rick looked at me and gave me that wicked smile of his and said, okay, game on. (laughs) We always had fun and there were good memories. Godspeed, Rick. That's from Gary Lindahl. I, and, and that's the way he was that Rick Eshelman found a way and, and I listened to a lot of announcers over the years, as you have, Zach, to use humor 
which a lot of a lot of announcers are scared to do because there's a fine line of humor or looking stupid, right? Right. Um, Rick had it figured out, and he had it figured out. Uh, you know, it was everything wasn't funny that he was saying, but he knew when to do it, when to throw it in there. You know, just as his old Waffle House comment will, yeah. will stick with me forever. <laughs> um, but um, no, he was just he was the consummate professional, and and I think he taught a lot of people um, how to do it the right way. Steve posts on the Horsepower Happenings Facebook page. He says, I only met him one time. I was a scorer at Spartan Speedway back in the late 90s, and Gary Lindahl couldn't do the Sunday night show, so Rick filled in. He says, uh, Steve says, I loved listening to him, and we talked quite a bit about tracks to go to. Steve says, I remember him telling me that I must go to Eldora. Steve says, when I heard your show with him on this summer, I remembered that night like it was yesterday. I haven't made it to Eldora yet, but in his memory, it moves to the rope of my bucket list. Rest in peace, Rick. It was an honor to meet you, and um, he loved that racetrack, didn't he, man? Eldora Speedway, kind of the, you know, the the big jump in his career that kind of propelled him up uh, the rest of the way for dirt late model racing. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna honor Rick and and, and play a, a piece of his. I mean, his acceptance speech for the National Dirt Racing Hall of Fame was, um, I mean, 38, 40 minutes long. We we couldn't play the whole thing tonight, but we have a piece of that we're gonna play um, just to kind of kind of get into Rick's head and see how he felt and listen to how he felt uh, in that moment and everything surrounding that induction, which was well-deserved. And then um, we're going to honor him tonight, Zach, by, you know, just uh, a couple weeks after that induction, he was nice enough to join us on the program. And uh, we're going to do an encore presentation of that interview because we had so much fun that night talking to Rick. Um, you know, I think, I think the whole time he was, talking to us he probably had a smile on his face because it sounded like he had a pretty good time with us too i do want to make sure that we mention glenn's comment as well uh, you know and, and i think a lot of people could probably echo this summing up rick's career in four simple words his announcing was great um and uh, that's glenn's uh, tribute for rick and i think that's exactly right as you mentioned uh, the the creative ways that he was able to do what he did behind the microphone uh he really was just one of the greats well, you know, Rich, as we get ready to do this tribute tonight, uh, I felt it was only right that uh, we pass along the information that was put out earlier today from a Millard Parker funeral and, and crematory to talk about Rick Eshelman. And, and, you know, a lot of people are thinking, how in the world do you honor this guy which with a persona as big as Rick Eshelman as a, an impact as, as touching as many? Um, so I just want to read what they put out for him today. And then we'll play that acceptance speech, a, a bit of that coming up next. So Rick Asherman, 61, of Daytona Beach Shores, Florida, as we know, passed away unexpectedly Saturday. He was known throughout the racing community as the voice of the World of Outlaws Dirt Late Model Series, along with his fiancée, Melissa, and his son, Derek, daughter-in-law, Brooke, granddaughter, Kaylee, and his racing family at the World Racing Group. He's also survived by his family of broadcast colleagues and producers, late model drivers and race teams, racetrack promoters, race fans, and friends throughout the country. An announcement for a date, time, and place for the celebration of Rick's life and love of racing and a full obituary will be shared in the future on the Millard Family Chapel's website. Uh, of course, they encourage you to share personal memory as we do on the Horsepower Happenings Facebook page and arrangements are under the direction of Hauser Millard Funeral Directors. And at this time, it's our pleasure uh, and uh, with courtesy of the audio from uh, World Racing to uh, present to you a part of his acceptance speech into the
the Hall of Fame. I got to be about 10 years old, and unlike most kids, I sat on the front row in a chair and listened to the announcer. His name was Howard Williams, and I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. This guy was entertaining. I was 10, and I wanted to listen to him, and I knew what I wanted to be. Wanting to be an announcer, the late John Markham, the president of ARCA, gave me my chance in April of 79. The announcer didn't show up for opening night. And they said, you want to try it? I said, heck yeah. I didn't say that, but I went up there and I nailed it. And from then it was like, okay, this is cool. And then Uncle Sam called me. I went into the Air Force in North Dakota. And probably the reason I'm still announcing right now, that was the start. It just so happened that my sergeant was a late model driver at the local track in North Dakota where I was stationed. We were in every Friday at 3.30 so we could be at the racetrack at 4. I actually got to serve my country and announce my first ever dirt race at a place called Grand Forks County Speedway, which is now River City Speedway, where the World of Outlaws still go today. But I got to announce at so many great places. And then um, after Oakshade, Larry Bowes said, you need to come to Eldora's Banquet in uh, January of 2000. I said, okay. So I went to the banquet, helped Larry a little bit. And uh, he says, Earl wants to talk to you. I'm like, ooh, God, what does he want? So I go into the kitchen, there's Earl. He says, uh, I want you to work for me this year. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm going to clean toilets or I'm going to sweep the stairs or pick up trash with Larry. He says, I need an announcer. And I thought, my God, the world has just ended. I'm going to be the announcer at Eldora Speedway. And I got to announce some of the greatest races ever. Got to see all different kinds of race cars. And I kept getting calls from Dean Miracle throughout 2004. The World of Outlaws had reformed. I got to call the first six races. I did one race in March that you, Berkey, won at Volunteer. Yes, sir. I remember that well. Dean Miracle, who was the series director, kept saying, you got to come work for the World Outlaws. Got to come. Got to come. Got to come. Finally, I said, okay, I'll come. So I started there. I worked there for a long time. Gerald Newton, when he called me and he said last October, congratulations. I'm like, for what? He said, you're going into the Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame. And for about five minutes, there was silence on the phone. I don't know if it, who was more perplexed, me being told I'm inducted or him thinking, he's not saying anything. This guy doesn't shut up. But it was a great call, one that I'll never forget. But again, everybody here at the Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame and all of you, thanks for putting up with me for all these years. Six more years, and I swear I'll be quiet. Thank you. And, of course, uh, Zach, audio courtesy of the World of Outlaws uh, from the Hall of Fame acceptance speech uh, this summer. And uh, oh, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and Rich, uh, you know, shortly after this, you, you texted me and said, man, Rick's in the Hall of Fame. we got to get him on the show. And I said, dude, if you can make it happen, make it happen. Let's talk to Rick Eshelman, man. And uh, you, you were able to do that. How, that was so cool. All it took was a phone call. And uh, he said, I'll do it. Absolutely. Um, he goes, just tell me when. And so I told him when. And, uh, you know, Zach, it was really cool. And we were able to catch up with Rick, like you said, shortly after his induction um, right here on Horsepower Happenings. He's the voice of the World of Outlaws Case Construction Equipment Late Model Series. And he was honored on Saturday with his well-deserved National Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame induction. Rick Eshelman, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Rich, thanks for having me, bud. Zach, how you guys doing? Great, man. Congratulations. I was able to watch uh, the induction like I, when I texted you. I told you I was. Um, nice job, man. It, it, it surely seems like it meant a lot to you. Uh, yeah, never, you don't ever expect to go there. You just, if they put you there, then that's great. But you don't count on it because when you start trying to build up accolades, that's when you make more mistakes 
and you'll never get there. So just do your thing and it'll come to you if it's meant to be. Rick, we always see, uh, you know, on, on the streaming platform now, but, uh, man, e- even through your announcing and everything that you do, um, what I have noticed is you never forget where you came from. That's really important to you, isn't it? You know, Flat Rock is always going to be my home track. Toledo has a special place because I worked there so much. You can't forget that. If you do, then shame on you. You don't deserve any uh, accolade, which I never expected. I mean, I just wanted to be in racing when I was a kid, but it kind of worked out pretty well. Let's talk about that. We've had an opportunity to talk to Gary Lindahl about his path. And, you know, obviously he's a Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, he's he's been around the block a time or two and seen some pretty cool stuff. Uh, where does your path begin? Where, where does your journey in auto racing begin? You know, for example, Gary started just pushing papers at a local racetrack. Where does Rick Eshelman's story begin? Pretty much along the same lines, guys. Um when I was at Flat Rock, um, I had a friend named John Wyman who became a late model driver, started with street stock. We were good friends. We went to high school together. And his dad, Jack, said, uh, when I come to the races with us, and I ended up going, and they discovered that I had great penmanship. And I mean, in 1975, I was, what, 13 going on 14. And I could write down the driver's names and numbers and hometowns from the classes and then give them to the announcer. And that saved them from having to come down. So I'd have a, a sheet form every night who was there. And I also collected welding insurance. I told this story at the Hall of Fame. If you wanted welding insurance, they gave you two bucks. You held on to it. You wrote their name and car number down in class. And then if they needed welding throughout the night, the welder would go over there. If not, they didn't pay it. And his name wasn't on the list. And then the welder could charge him whatever they wanted. Because back then, the wall was, <clears throat> excuse me, guardrail. And everybody's cars were made out of steel. So, you know, do the math. You get into the crash, <laughs> into the guardrail, you're going to need a welder. So that's how I started off, believe it or not. And then somewhere down the line, you pick up a microphone and, and the rest, as they say, is history. And uh, you have been able to do some really cool things with your career. And, uh, you know, I think, like Rich said, all of us announcers are the same. We're just race fans who get an opportunity to talk a lot about what we get to see out there on the racetrack. But uh, you get to work with some of the best late model drivers in the business. Um, and, and you get to watch some of the best racing each and every week, then each and every time you unload, uh, you got to realize how spoiled you are, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even from the days of flat rock, you know, going up through Toledo, working at Oakshade, Lima land, Eldora, got to see all many different types of cars. Some, some of the greatest drivers to ever, you know, put a helmet on and jump into a race car and, I just practiced on a Panasonic cassette tape recorder and I tried to be like Howard Williams. Howard Williams was my idol. He, at age 10, I'd sit down in the front stretch with my dad, watch the races and listen to Howard. I wanted to be like him. He was so cool. I wanted to be an announcer like Howard. Well, when April of 79 come around, announcer didn't show up. Howard had already passed. And um, they said, you want to try it? And I nailed it. And I, you know, bounce back and forth between working the turn one gate and announcing whenever I could. And, you know, I picked up things from Gary because, you know, he's, he's a great entertainer. He always has been the late Jack Pfeiffer. I took a little bit from his repertoire, took a little from Gary, some from Howard and along the line, some of the other guys that I've worked with. And that's how I created my own style. And it just, it's been a blessing to be able to do this for so long and see so many different cars, make so many friends. I mean, 
I hadn't saw Rich in God, I don't know how long, 15 years maybe. And it was like we had just seen each other two days ago when we were at Tri-City together and at Thunderbird. So it's, it's one of them things where you never, if you forget where you come from, then you don't deserve to be in this sport. I just, I hate people that forgot how they started. I mean, you know, I appreciate how I started. If it wasn't for that, I would have never got started. You know what I mean? Right. And what, what I think is cool, you know, and I've heard people say this before, um, you know, the announcer is not the show, but you also can't just be blank and just call a boring race. You ha- you have to have fun with it. How do you find that balance? Because I found myself, you know, in the last couple of years watching, you know, watching the World of Outlaws and, and Man, you are really entertaining and not overboard. You know what I mean? It's really easy to cross that line and say, gosh, I'm going to turn the volume down, you know? Well, the, the thing is, Rich, it's all, it's like a combination of everything. You really hit on a good point. You want the people to get information. That I think that's the most important because to the casual fan, who is number 04? What class does he run? Where is he from? You know, give them enough information so that they can follow along, do not overdo it and say everything about it, that he's got eight spark plugs and he's running Hoosier tires. You don't need to go that route. Just give them information. Call a good race. Call the action. Try not to be the show because when I was 20, I was very nicely informed that I was not the show, never will be the show, and I've kept that in my back pocket the whole time. All I'm doing is trying to give some information, Make it entertaining. Maybe throw a little humor in now and then. But above all, don't scream into the microphone. (laughs) So many announcers try to compete with the noise of the cars. We all know everybody can hear it when they want to hear. If they don't want to hear it, then the noise of the cars will cover it. So don't try and compete with the noise of the cars. Just call the race like you and I are talking, but project your voice Mm -hmm. so that people can hear you. They can hear something coming out of that speaker. Whether they choose to listen, it's their choice. Always will be. Just don't try to overdo it. And so many announcers push it too far, and and that's why they're behind. You know, Rick, uh, in your career, you've had to make some changes, and, you know, the sport has evolved, just like we talk with race car drivers about the technology behind the wheel changing. Uh, you know, some things have happened for you over the last, you know, 10, 15 years where now, uh, Rick, you're no longer just calling a race for the fans in the stands uh, and and the house, if you will. Now you're broadcasting to you know hundreds of thousands of people worldwide uh, on on a television production. And oh yeah, by the way, that same audio is still going to the fans in the grandstands who paid their money to sit behind the you know sit sit behind the fence and eat dirt all night. And that's one of the questions that I've been asked as an announcer is how do you find that balance of broadcast style for the TV for the internet stream? And also entertaining those those fans who are sitting right in front of you. Well, you can do all of that. And like you said, it's a balance. You have to be able to, for those that are watching at home, we have a monitor with Dirt Vision, which is the greatest streaming company that ever has been put in dirt racing. They have a monitor. We have multiple cameras. So if I'm calling the action of the battle for third, they may be on it. They may jump to a different battle, which I will then pick up, or vice versa. If we're calling the action for third and all of a sudden there's a challenge for a lead, I will go to the lead. They'll follow me. All the while, everybody in the grandstands has been hearing everything I said. But for the people watching at home, 
they're getting actually two separate views to where everybody at the racetrack is only getting one. So it's a great balance for people that couldn't make it to the track and for people that are there. They both get the same show, but they don't get the same show, if that makes any sense. So I got to ask you, you know, on, on Saturday, that was obviously the biggest moment of your career in in, ter- in terms of being honored. But I think coming up this week, you got something that's going to compete with that. You're going to throw out the baseball for the York Revolution minor league baseball team in York, Pennsylvania. Talk that sounds like a ball. Uh, talk about how that came about. Yeah, well, pardon the pun. Yeah, it will be a ball, but <laughs> I have not thrown a baseball in probably 25 years, so this is not going to be pretty. Um, our company, World Racing Group, does cross promotions with different sports to, you know, maybe pick up a, a race fan or two, and vice versa. The race fans can see some baseball. So they're having Motorsports Night at the York Revolution Park on Wednesday night in York, Pennsylvania. Myself and um, Hall of Famer and 2011 Series Champion Rick Eckert will both be there. We'll do a little meet and greet outside, and then we're both going to just throw the first pitch. And this is something World Racing Group has done to expand their brand to different genres of sports. You know, maybe we'll be at a hockey game sometime. Maybe we'll be at a football game. We might be at a track meet. Who knows? But it's it's a great idea. It's a way to get our sport promoted, show off our brand, and, you know, just have people take in something they've never been to before. Like, I've never been to a professional soccer game, but I'm intrigued just by, you know, all the hype. They talk about it. It's on TV. There's world championships. Someday I'll get to one, which is kind of how we feel about the person that's not a race fan. Maybe someday we can get some new race fans and have an even bigger family than we already have. Because let's face it, Rich, the stuff you and I have done to each other over the years, if we're not family, (laughs) we're in trouble. (laughs) That's true. But, hey, you know, and and that's the other thing. You know, we we, we take our work and and then we have fun with it and grow things outside of it, which, you know, even Zach and I have, have done that kind of stuff, you know, after our work or outside of our work. Um, and what I want you to talk about, I think is really cool because you've been doing this for a little while, the world of outpaws, where did, what gave you the idea to do that? Because that looks like you're having a ball with it. Well, um, there's a guy named Wes Irwin, who is the world of outlaws, sprint cars, t-shirt vendor. And he had a little world of outpaws thing. I thought that would be really cool. I'll take pictures of dogs and I'll put it out there on social media. And people can see their dogs and talk about it. I, I love dogs. I always have loved dogs from day one. Can't have one because of being on the road so long. But, you know, I get to pet them. I bring them treats. And uh, um, I give to ASPCA monthly. I always, you know, I just, I believe in, you know, the four-legged ones are the ones with no voice. So we got to be kind to them as well as children, as well as the elderly, as well as the less fortunate, the the victims of natural disasters. It's all giving, you know, the veterans, the wounded warriors, the tunnel to towers, all of those are great. And, you know, I just try to do my little part with the four-legged community. Rick, let's talk about, uh, this is kind of one thing that I've always thought about and, and kind of wondered in the racing world. Uh, we joke about, Oh, you know, 
you're going to hang out with the with the fendered cars, or you're oh you're with the with the open wheeled you know sprint cars and that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, you were in you and Rick Ashelman talk uh, because you know you guys are both. Uh, well, you are Rick Ashelman. How about uh, <laughs> gosh, uh, I'm trying to think of um, Lucas Oil. His name just escaped me. Help me, Rich. James Essex. James Essex. Oh, my goodness. Do you ever have that? You're talking about somebody, and then, boom, it's just gone. James Essex. I'm lucky if I know my own name half the time. Oh, man, I'm telling you. So, anyhow, you and James Essex talk all the time, but my question is, how often do the Friends of the World Racing Group cross sides? Do you get to hang out with Mr. Gibson at all? Do you and the sprint car world uh, mingle much? Obviously, you called sprint cars in your career, so... There's times throughout the year that we get to be together, like at uh, Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia Speedway Park. The first week is the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car. Second week is World of Outlaws Late Models. And we get to see each other there. This year, we were fortunate enough to run at the Bristol Motor Speedway, both the sprints and late models on the same card. And that's going to happen again when we get to the World Finals at the Dirt Track at Charlotte in November for four nights. So, yeah, we get to see each other, and, uh, you know, we talk. I call Johnny now and then, and we'll discuss things or maybe have a, a technical question that we have for one another for setup or, you know, just to shoot the stuff because he's a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. He can't help it. He's from PA. <laughs> I mean, I've always been a Red Wings fan. So we'll give each other some grief on that as well. But, no, uh, get to see the Sprint guys now and then. It's always fun. They're great people. Rick, I'm going to take you down memory lane for a minute, and no, it's not what you think. We're going to put that one to bed, okay? <laughs> are, you try, are you trying to not let him talk about French's mustard? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, yeah no, we're leaving that. That's not, that's not for this hour. That's for, that'll, be for an, that'll be for another discussion. Yeah, that, that'll, be, that'll be over uh, bush lights, I think, they drink on the road. But, Gary, uh, I, I posted uh, – I know you're not on Facebook, but I posted on Facebook, uh, you know, I shared our, our – that you were going to be on the show tonight. And I'm going to read some names here to you. I saw that on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. Yep. Gary Lindahl, Sherry Algren, Frank Boxdance, Mike Hewer, Sherry Miller, Greg Riddle, all of them say congratulations. They are so proud of you here, man. Wow. I talked to Frank Boxdance about, uh, oh yeah, I talked to Frank uh, a little less than a month ago when I was in Michigan for Summer Nationals, just give him a call. And was talking to him, and that was really cool. And other than seeing you, I've seen none of them in the past ten or so years, and I miss them. They're all great people. I mean, I owe everything that I know about scoring to Sherry Miller because her and Fran and Dick Duff were my teachers on scoring. I scored before I ever announced at Flat Rock, and if it wasn't for Sherry and showing me the correct way to hand score. I would have never been able to do that. And with that skill, it makes my announcing so much easier because I can tell you who's on the lead lap, who's down one, who's down two, who's the last car on the lead lap. I know all that from the scoring because it's just built into you once you become a scorer. And, you know, I owe tons of gratitude to her for that. But, you know, just everybody you mentioned, they're all such great people. I miss everybody at Flat Rock. One of these days, I will somehow figure out how to get up there for a Saturday night show. But, you know, I miss all you guys. You especially, my friend. Me and you have had some great times. I had fun calling your racing. You're a great racer. And, you know, we had just a great relationship during those years. And that's that's part of my background that I will not ever forget. Yeah. And, and let me just, uh, before your questions, uh, that that's why it was so cool. I believe it was last year when I was at I-96 
and Zach says, somebody up here wants to talk to you. And I'm like, at I-96, who would want to talk to me? And I walk up, and I said, oh, my. And then he says, what's Frenchy mean to you? And I said, <laughs> man, you're going to make me cry. I know who it is. Well, that's that's kind of what I was going to ask, Rick, is, you know, when Rich read off all of those names, you could kind of hear you, you, you kind of gasp a little bit and go, oh, my goodness, uh, you know, that that feeling right there of those people who are still watching your career, who help you get started back here in Michigan, just, you know, supporting you and proud of what you've done. Uh, take me through kind of what you felt right there when he read that off. Well, you know, it's uh, people like the Ogrens, um, Kenny, Penny, Sherry. They were really good friends. We drink beer together after we go to the races together. You know, they, they were really great people. They, they always, you know, were friendly to me and Sherry always made fun of me carrying around my steno book and yes it's sherry if you're listening i've got my steno book in the car as we speak that's one of those things that i'll probably never let go of gotta have a steno book when you go to the races but you know just everybody from flat rock and toledo and it's just it's one of those things that will never leave me i'm just you know until i get senile and i don't even know how to tie my own shoes that's something that's always going to be there is the, the friendships that we made you know, growing up because we basically grew up together. And that's the other thing, too, that, you know, I don't get the impression that you plan on slowing down anytime soon. Uh, you know, you've made it into the Hall of Fame and, uh, you know, now you're still, you know, you, you said you told World Racing Group, yeah, I guess I'll show back up and continue to call these races. Uh, do you have any plans to slow down at all or are you happy with where you're at? Oh, yeah. At the banquet, I let everybody know and I've been telling everybody that, uh, if I can make it through the 2028 season, which sounds like a long time from now, but it's really not six years from now at the end of that season, that's when I will officially hang up the microphone as a traveling announcer. And it'll be time for somebody else to take the baton and run with it because that will be 50 years of announcing for me. Wow. And I'll be at my best um, age. I can be at for social security. I'll be 67. And I think I'll take up golf and go to races, uh, you know, when there's a race I want to go see. And and this is kind of a, a strange question, but, you know, reflecting internally, obviously six more years to go. But are you proud of your, of your accomplishments and of your career? Are you happy with what you've been able to do? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be on MRN and I wanted to be on TV. And I realized that it wasn't my calling, you know. It's not everybody's cut out for that. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has to look for it. I certainly did. Not everybody can be Matt Prayer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, I don't think I changed a thing. The tracks that I work at, the people I work for, you know, the, the racing that I got to call. I mean, I was at the two best paved tracks, Flat Rock and Toledo. I was at Eldora, you know, one of the best dirt tracks in the world. I was at the Oak Shade Raceway where I learned a lot. If it wasn't for Pam and Terry Hendricks and John and Donna Green. I was at Lima Land with Dr. Jeff Jarvis for a few years. Um, you know, I was at the Magnolia Motor Speedway where I helped them open up in 2004. But, you know, being with the World Racing Group and World of Outlaws, this is truly a dream job. And it's not one that you take for granted. You work hard at this because they are the best. So you better be your best every single night. 
don't leave anything on the table, so I try not to. Rick, we can talk about the uh, ins and outs of this sport all night long because that's what all three of us do, and we love this sport so much. But here's what I want to know because I know what kind of shenanigans I've got into after a night of racing with a touring series. What is one memory that sticks out to you with your World Racing Group buddies uh, after the checkered flag flies, a little post-race celebration or anything like that? What's, what's something after the races that people might not realize uh, that really sticks out to you? Well, it's just the thing that, you know, everybody gets together and you have fun. Maybe you'll have a cold one, walk around the pit area, you know, see somebody. It's usually something to do with me and dogs. I make dogs go crazy. I'm not exactly sure why, maybe because I'm part canine somewhere, somehow, but that's pretty much it. It's the, it's the fun you have after, you know, telling jokes or maybe going to somebody's pit and making fun of them. Or, you know, if everybody's in the bar, you get this bottle of French's mustard. Oh, no. <laughs> and you go to the, the driver's race car who you've had a little rivalry with. And you squirt it in his helmet and in his glove, and you oh leave the bottle God. there. We're out of time, but, Rick. We're out of time, dude. We're out of time. backfires, though, because then you wake up one morning after a two-day show, and you go to your car, and it looks like a parade float, <laughs> complete with shaving cream, um, glitter, uh, toilet paper, excuse me, and anything else that might possibly stick to it. So, yeah, it does backfire on you. Trust me on that. Oh, had we to do it, Rich. Let, we were going to let that go for another time, but oh my God. <laughs> I swear, I didn't plan this with him. It just you, happened. You, no, Zach, you walked him into it, and he, you opened the door 10 feet wide, and I knew he was going to march through it. I was just waiting he for He gave it. me a fat meatball for a pitch. That's what right. That's, That's right. Rick, man, congratulations. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it was a pleasure to be introduced to you through Rich, and, and uh, uh, you know, now a pleasure to, to get a chance to talk with you on our show. Really, appreciate you making time to chat with us and, and congratulations on such a successful career hopefully i get to run into you a couple more times in the next six years yeah it'd be great zach and uh rich you know my friend uh you and i are been buds for a long time always will be that's one of the great things about racing once you make a friend you never lose a friend so that's that's the cool thing about what we do and i hope to see you some more too as well yeah i want to I, I gotta start chasing you around a little bit going to some of these races i i love what uh world of outlaws does i love what lucas oil does but It'll give me a chance to chase you down. Absolutely, my friend. Anytime. And uh, thank you for having me on the show, guys. It was truly an honor. Every year there had been one date on my social media that popped up that would encourage me to pursue my career of a racing announcer. And that was the anniversary of the death of Steve Burns, the former pit road reporter for Fox, for NASCAR, and so many things. The passion that he had, the diligence, the desire for greatness fueled me rich it got me ready for the race season made me want to be better i now have two dates that will do that for me and that will be when this anniversary comes around when we talk about rick eshelman and his life so now i'll have a date at the beginning of the year to think about steve burns and his legacy and then closer to the heart i'll have this date at the end of the season where rick eshelman's career came to an end and we'll, we'll think about that, think about his professionalism, and think about his passion for the sport to fuel me through the off season to keep my focus. And um, 
just hate it. Hate that, uh, you know, personally and selfishly hate that I didn't get a chance to, through you, Rich, build a closer relationship with, with Rick. Hate that I didn't get to, you know, say, hey, when you decide to retire in six years, remember my name. <laughs> you know, I hate that selfishly. And uh, so many other people, of course, hurting and mourning. Uh, but Rich, the great thing about our industry, and we see it over and over, and we see it time and time again, is that we all lean on one another, and uh, we all support each other. And uh, the great news is we're going to get through this tough time, and we're going to keep racing. We're going to dirt late model racing is going to live on for a long time. And uh, I think any time that we call a dirt late model race to the green flag now, we'll, we'll think of Rick Eshelman. Yeah, Zach, and, and my memories are going to be a little bit different just because, you know, Rick wasn't a mentor of mine. I mean, he he was announcing my races when I met him. And if you want me to be brutally honest, at the beginning, the very first month or two I met him, I didn't think he was that great. <laughs> uh, you know, it, because I had never heard anyone announce the way he announced. It was new to me. And then I listened to him more and more, and I'm like, this cat's got it, right? And then, you know... I mean, our our friendship just grew from there. And then, you know, French as mustard will never, ever mean the same to me ever again. Um, it's just a sad deal. And I, I think I got to just leave it at there, Zach. Rich, uh, you mentioned it toward the top of the show. I think it's important to mention it now. Um, reach out. Don't wait for someone to come to you. And uh, if you're listening to this show tonight, just remember that help is available. You can speak with someone today right here in the United States. All you have to do is pick up your phone and dial 988 and a suicide crisis hotline person is there to speak to you, is there to help you, and is there to show you that um, this life is worth continuing and, and uh, it's a better place with you in it. So on behalf of Rich France, on behalf of Scott Menlin, we thank you for tuning in, Horsepower Happenings, and we thank you for helping us honor and remember the life of Rick Eshelman.